I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every fucking time. <laughs> doesn't have a license for these guns. But today, we're talking about war. Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. Champion of Cape Town. Dialing in from another country. Bukachi. Bukachi, staying silent. HBK, Shawn Michaels. We're here. We're back. And today we've got an, an interesting discussion. Maybe a little bit more serious than usual. The intersection of war and economics. War stocks. War dogs. War dogs. Raw's war. We're getting stuck Raw's into it. Raw's war. Raw's what's the worst? What's the best? Let's start with what's the best and worst war movies you've ever seen, HBK? That's a tough one. Um, Saving Ryan's Privates. Wait, what? Saving Ryan's Privates was very good. Um, Saving Ryan's Privates was a great war movie. James Frank. Yeah. The the one with James Franco and uh, his his friend where they they visit North Korea. That thing was trash. Uh, the one that got Sony hacked. I don't even remember the name of it, but whatever. Black Hawk Down was a good movie. Or if you watch it on Paul Harbour's relay something, it's very similar. But <laughs> Booker T, you dirty motherfucker. What is your favorite? <laughs> What's your favorite war, war movie? Hey? War movies, war movies. Saving like Ryan's Privates man. again. I, I hate to use one that we've already. Yeah. Saving Ryan's Privates is a good movie, man. It's a good movie. Uh, what was that other one? Nah, I, I can't remember the other one. I also like, I also like Dear John. It's not really about him in movies, but you know, it's nice that he kept that pen pal thing going. Nobody, I can't believe no one in this podcast said Full Metal Jacket, guys. I don't even know what that is. No, I'll be lying. Rick Flair, Rick Flair that showing was such his age. a good movie. That was such <laughs> a good movie. Go and watch it. Go and watch it. We're talking about war. And wow, it has been a volatile past few weeks. What do you say about what's been going on, Mr. Russian Bear? Bukati, how are you feeling? Well, first and foremost, the uh, Russian Bear came out and said that their product isn't Russian. So I feel like my university has been a lie. I learned all those Russian toasts for nothing. Um, look, man, it's 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 troubling times. It's it's a bit crazy how fast this happened. Uh, Putin's a hectic guy, but I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, it looks like they're in peace talks now. Roman Abramovich sold Chelsea. It's another thing that happened from this. It's quite crazy. Um, yeah, man, crazy, crazy times we live in. We we exited a pandemic and now we're in a full on war. So you know the hits just keep on coming. HBK, what's the valuation of Chelsea Football Club? How would you start? Where would you even start? What's going on with the shareholder loans? With Abramovich, is he gonna get paid back? Does he want his money back, or is he just selling it out, walking away, 
giving it to charity. You know, how do you how do you value a a business that's not an actual business? But it's uh it's interesting times. I mean, you know, I think that the there is of course a very very real human cost to conflict and instability that goes on in the world and we're starting to see elements of it now. I think you know that the 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 Chelsea Football Club sale is an example, right? Where here's a um you know here's a a a very real relatable impact of um of this mass of this you know massive conflict that's going on in the world i mean we're in you know looking at it closer to home you've got the the oil price that's soaring uh you got local stock local stocks that are are taking strain you got a whole lot of south african companies with exposure to russia that are stuck which is stuck in a difficult position yeah look let's look at what's happened in the stock market in the past at past conflicts some of you may have been too young to remember what happened in vietnam what happened in the gulf war probably remember iraq afghanistan crimea you guys know the justin tipling song crimea river the fact that you walked in so it's just terrible just sexy back are you that's just are bad that's just bad that's just terrible i i, I feel like <laughs> oh man but it's 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 of his best it's of his best work do you think so do you think that was just the timberlake's best work it's it's from the project that it's his that's his best work wasn't that feature sex love sounds we'll, we'll hold a, a poll no crime your river was podcast. was his early stuff come on booker t we'll start offline wasn't it no, dude. Crimey River was, was his early This is what stuff. happens when you listen to Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande. What's you going on? You come out with statements like this. Hey, hey, don't don't disrespect me. Russia but no, recently. Okay, then then it's just it's off as okay one. Well. I mean, Russia recently were were, were banned from access to Swift. <laughs> speaking of which, we're going to be speaking about Swift today. Yeah, we're speaking about Swift today, aren't we? Yeah, that's this war. Man, Taylor's he speaks version. To one. Hey, <laughs> look at this guy dropping past. Spends one week in Cape Town and now he's out here promoting T Swizzle. Man, we're in a bad place. But let's talk about Crimea River and the Gulf War and what happened in Vietnam. What happened to the stock market? Let's look at the SP 500. Rick, please run some numbers. Just jumping off from Steve there in terms of the macro implications that you see. Uh, and what they are, how long they'll last from, uh, obviously, what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, what are they? If you bought the invasion, which is similar to buying the dip, but you, you know, buying the, the bottom of the markets, Vietnam, S&P 500, two years later, 18 months later, up 27%. Gulf War, stock market up within a year, up 32%. Iraq, stock market after 18 months of the conflict being announced, up 38%. Crimea, up 18%. The exception here is Afghanistan, right? The stock market post the Afghanistan conflict, which went on for a long, long time, was down 10%, down 11%. It's interesting to note, and we'll get into the stock market impact of war and when this happens, and interesting to note that you know, when the Afghanistan air campaign started, it was just post.com and the market was quite depressed already. And we will be unpacking how much of the stock market is dependent on 
what's happening in global markets and global conflict and how much is driven out of investors already negative expectations surrounding inflation, asset prices, rotation out of tech and growth stocks and the general sentiment that was pervasive in the market before the big Russia-Ukraine conflict. Interesting to see how much of this was actually baked in the markets. But yeah, I think, I mean, it's also a function of the uh, the the challenging few years that it's been globally. I think, you know, if you, if you are in unprecedented times for so long, at some point they stop becoming unprecedented. You know, I think there's been so many risk events that we've all been subject to, subjected to over the last few years. It's, uh, I think it can be difficult to be an optimistic investor in this climate. You know, there's so, every time you feel like you're kind of getting your legs under you, there's some other major geopolitical, biological, political, economic risk event happening that just makes you, you, you know, just kind of makes you scared all over again. So I think it's a, it's a very difficult time to, to be optimistic and to have a view on growth and on, you know, uh, long-term prosperity when we seem to be moving from crisis to crisis. Yeah, it is, it's, it's a crazy situation to be in. You know, like when, you, when you're sitting in Eco's class and you're learning about what are the events that make you move up and down the, the demand or supply curve and what are the events that make the supply curve and demand curve shift entirely. They always talk about these big macroeconomic events that are rare and once in a while. I feel like we've had four in the past three, three, four years. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to planning, when it comes to uh, managing your own portfolios or, or just planning where you're going to live, how you're going to survive, there's, there's been a lot of shocks to the system that have taken place recently, which keeps things interesting and definitely keep people busy. But it's, uh, it's crazy times that we're living in right now. What's important to note is during periods of uncertainty, volatility spikes. Now you're listening to the Bank Bros podcast and you're probably trading on margin. You're probably 400 times leveraged on oil futures. You're probably thinking you're going to retire rich, retire young by shorting oil futures and you're getting burnt. You're getting burnt bad because you've taken on leverage. And the worst thing to do during volatile economic conditions is to trade with leverage. You're shorting futures, but it's your future that's in question. You're under a bridge of William Licker. You're in a bad place. Tech stocks. The average range that tech stocks have been moving 6 to 7% a day at, some po- at one point. 6 to 7% that intraday. Intraday. It's now, it's, it's now hovering at about 3-4% a day on NASDAQ 100. 3 to 4% a day. 3 to 4% is what you made on your Easy Equities portfolio last year. You know I'm talking about you that's listening right now. You'd be lucky if you made 4% because you are an Avenger. You are fighting the wrong kind of wars. You are fighting wars against construction companies with convertible bonds that were out the money. You are fighting against debt that accumulated. You are fighting against construction companies with low sign of a turnaround. But you thought, ah, oh, Pelly stock, let me go out. Buy 50 million shares for 3 rand 50. And now you have 3 rand 20. Black holes in Australia. Black holes 
McConnell Dull, MCD, buying the wrong McDonald's. Hope you're proud of yourself. Purple group, you thought you have a purple patch. And now you're chilling out there, holding the bag. Why? Because you want to buy the dip and the dip keeps dumping. Fix yourself. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. But it's, it's, it's an incredible thing, you know, talking about the volatility. I mean, the, you know, retail trading has gone through this transformation in the last few years and people cite the the GameStops and the AMCs of the world as these massive volatile stocks but the truth is the blue chip tech stocks are being traded like meme stocks now you got the Facebooks of the world which are moving 10 20% in a day you're talking about the average tech stock moving you know 3 4% in a day that is an exceptional amount of volatility it's huge. You got cryptos trading like stocks and stocks trading like cryptos. And you, the bank bros listener, trading like a degenerate. That's probably the only sensible thing that's happened here. The crypto the crypto one is interesting for me because it's always been positioned as this asset that, you know, is uncorrelated to your traditional markets. But if you look at how it's been trading recently, you can see that this mainstream adoption of crypto, this, you know, this boom in crypto that everyone's taken up, it's moving quite similar to what traditional markets are moving like right now. It's it's, it's getting impacted by these geopolitical wars and, and, and so on. So it's, I don't know, it makes me wonder about the future of crypto. What, what is it really going to be used as? Is it going to be used for its original purpose or... Is it going to just be another one of these assets? That's it's going to be trained? used to smuggle kids out of Bangladesh and put them in child labor factories. It's going to be used to smuggle guns. <laughs> it's going to be used to smuggle drugs. That's what it's going to be used for. But it's fascinating because who, who would have thought, well, everyone would have thought crypto is not a safe haven. <laughs> it's not There's a store a of gold. It's not a store of Oh, yeah. look at it. There's war. Would you pick gold or would you pick a Bitcoin? Well, we found out this week what people picked. Yeah. Became very clear what people picked. Store value. What's the true store value? Where do people go with periods of volatility? Where do people go when there's periods of high risk in the market? They go to fixed income. They go to government bonds. They go to U.S. treasuries. They go to be overweight cash. They go into gold. They don't go into Dogecoin or Bitcoin yeah. or Ethereum. I mean, they don't. Crypto, cryptos have behaved like the riskiest, the riskiest investments out there. They haven't behaved at all like safe havens. And I think, you know, especially now as uh, as the the conflict between Russia and Ukraine has escalated, you have the crypto evangelists who come out with increasingly nonsensical tomfoolery. You know, first it was Web 3.0 and, and DeFi and all of these buzzwords. Now they're talking about how the crypto crash or the crypto decline is a great thing for crypto because it's an opportunity to pile in and to develop use cases. I mean, the fact remains, this, this remains a very, very speculative asset class and the, if anything, the, the instability of the last few days, weeks, months have proved that 
when it comes to speculative asset classes, they aren't a great fit when people are scrambling for cover and they're looking for safety. Let's look at the currency impact. And we'll talk about ruble a little bit. But let's talk about what's gone the ruble with the is dollar. The ruble is in trouble. That is terrible. But it'll still make the final cut Very in proud this of podcast. That. Nothing gets cut in this podcast. The dollar is in a strong place right now. Thanks to sanctions. The dollar is ready to holler. The do- oh my goodness. This is what happens when you let him get away with one. It's because you let the first one no, go. This is getting cut. All of this gets cut. Post-production. Bang. Super we cut everything cheek. the HPK says. It's going to be a one-man podcast. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> That's what you're doing. The rich player what did podcast. I do? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. What? You? Why am I you getting cut? Because yeah. this is how uh, <laughs> global politics works. You know, you had a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you either vote to condemn if you voted to abstain. You either. Listen, I'm long. I'm 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 long on crypto right he, now. He's, I, okay, fine. Job, right? Wow, he's made a case for himself. <laughs> fine, we'll keep you on. He pleaded his case. But listen, the dollar is strong, and that is a bad place to be. And here's the thing. Commodity prices have rallied, even though you have the back of a stronger dollar. The dollar basket is looking incredibly strong. Gold prices rallying up. Oil prices rallying up. And you know what that means? Petrol price. Oh, yeah. You think about the two drivers of the cost of, of uh, oil. One is the cost of the actual commodity, the other is the currency that it's priced in. We price oil in dollars per barrel, which means if the dollar is stronger, the oil is more expensive. If the oil itself becomes scarcer and that price goes up, it means it's expensive. When both of those forces work in the same direction, the outcome is a massive spike in the oil price, which means a massive spike in the fuel price. There's a hidden third player, a ghost that circles around. That circles, not just the FX movement, not just the price of real crude. Taxes. Fuel price taxes. We are being taxed Levies. to death. Road accident fund. Levies. We are being taxed to death. I think one, one point to add over there is those, that road accident fund money, that's, that's what you guys are seeing on I Blew It. When you're wondering where did the person get the 30 million rand from, it's from the road accident fund. They, they got hit by someone, they had to get paid out. That's where those taxes are going to. It's, it's those guys who are busy throwing parties with bry stands in their house and choking out everyone that's there. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> you guys didn't watch that show, episode. man. There's some impressive good stories episode. on there. That, that was, was a great episode. episode, man. It was, it, it was Sorry, a good I episode. I digress. I digress. There I'll, I'll, I'll pull it, it back. Was, it was a good episode, though. I don't lie. I watched the excerpts of it. It was good. It was good. But our basic fuel price is a fraction, a fraction of the total price that we pay at the pump. We've got general fuel levies, transport costs, unnecessary margins, a road accident fund cost. It is actually absurd. Yet people are talking about electric vehicles. Yeah, so I think the point is that, you know, it's about the... the (laughs) Taxes are about a third of the total cost of, of fuel, but... The fuel cost is not the only fuel-related cost that we are subjected to, 
right? That's just the car, that's just the stuff you're putting in your your vehicle to transport. But remember that everything that we buy, all our consumables, all our services are dependent on a logistics infrastructure. The mangoes that you are eating are not are not planted in your backyard. They are planted somewhere and they are brought to you. The the services you consume, the washing powder you use to wash your clothes needs to be brought from somewhere. And so when the price of fuel goes up, implicitly the input cost of all the stuff that you buy and use goes up, it becomes more expensive. And that's the, the trickle down impact of, um, of the fuel price. Let's drop some numbers. And, and this was the numbers in December last year. And actually, fuel price has gone up last night, but it hasn't changed. I'll give you an indication. When the fuel price in the 95 octane was just over 20 bucks a few months ago, the basic fuel price of that 20 bucks, Booker T, HPK, how much do you think the actual fuel price is of that 20 bucks? The fuel itself, not taxes, the fuel itself. Man, 15 rands? Yeah. 12, 12, 12 yeah. between 12 and 13. 9 rand 74. No problem. That's crazy, That's, man. That's crazy. <laughs> More than half the price of fuel in South Africa is taxes, margins, distribution costs, levies. More than half. But now you're right. Let's just get some electric vehicles and, and, and plug them into walls with no power in them. That should beat it. Exactly. That's the solution, right? Let's just go. You know, let's look at the That's fuel price solution. increase since Jan 2021. 45%. 45%. No I will say again, 45%. So if you've got a 60 litre tank, you spent 880 rands for Ligia tank last year. This time. Today, you spend 1,280 rands filling the same tank. You are paying 45% more for fuel. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a really important point because we often, we're often asked the question, you know, I hear about Ukraine, I hear about Russia, you know, okay, it's a terrible thing. I, I'm, sympath- I'm empathetic as a hu- from human to human. But what does this actually mean for me as a person, me, myself? And this is a great illustration of it. When, when the, the elephants fight, it's the ants who get hurt. When, when there's geopolitical conflict that impacts the cost of energy, it puts strain on what is already a straining system. The price of oil going up is putting further strain on an, an already si- significant increase in the cost of fuel. This is impacting us directly. These are direct consequences of this instability that's happening at a global macro scale. But, that's the, that's the... no, but Booker T, it's also a result of self-inflicted damage because here's the thing, Rick Blair. Here's the uh, Rick Blair. Here's the thing, HPK. Here's the thing, Booker T. <laughs> we were at the highest fuel no price problem. in history. 
Well, the rail was at its weakest point and the fuel at, at the price of rail was at its highest point. So we were at the highest fuel price in history when macro drivers were in our favor. Better than it is Not now. Not as bad as they are now. Now that macro, yeah. and, 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 and now that macro drivers are in our favor, we fucked. Why? Because we've put these taxes on, we've layered this on. So yes, the government can turn around and say, oh guys, let's blame global oil prices. Let's blame the conflict in Russia. Let's blame the exchange rate. But let's blame higher fuel taxes and levies that are already a massive chunk of the price. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I, I think it's it's similar to what you used to say when it came to failing companies and COVID. They're gonna blame it on COVID, right? Yeah. That's what they're gonna blame the future uh, price increases when it comes to filling your tank. They're gonna blame it on this. No one's gonna look into the fact that these taxes are absurd, um, just ridiculously high, and, and what they do to our cost of living. Because as as Sean Michael said, man, it's it's not just your tank. It's also the input into everything that you that you consume. And it's not that like they're exempt from those inputs, right? They're not exempt from from paying uh, these these levies as well. So the people who are, di- who are distributing everything that you need to live also are subject to these taxes. Um, so it really does end up screwing you in a big time both ways, and not in a nice time, and not in a nice way. When you look at the rally price of commodities, you look at the increased cost of energy, you look at the higher coal prices, the higher oil prices. Just means electricity becomes more expensive too. Mr. Electric Vehicle, Mr. EV, Mr. Nikola, I'll push a truck down the Vegas Strip, Mr. Tesla. There's no answer. You can't go and plug your car into a socket with low electricity. Right? Electricity in this country. We spoke about the fuel price. Let's talk about the electricity tariff increases in South Africa, right? You are getting smashed. CPI, official inflation, is nowhere close to being reflective of the average increase and escalation and the pressure the average South African is under right now. Nowhere close. We just keep increasing. A 9.6% tariff was approved for ESCOM just last week. They were pushing for a 20 point... ESCOM's pushing for a 20.5% tariff increase for 2023 you can't keep your lights on you can't run your car where are we headed every guys you look at the salary increases coming out of covid very few people listening to this broadcast if any have a salary increase if anything people have taken a salary haircut yet here we are in real terms becoming poorer and poorer and poorer every single day if it's not geopolitics it's our own country this fucking shit up and that's the point here the point is if you're in a country where the, your house isn't in order and you're in a bad space will you overlay macroeconomic drivers that are also in a bad place you become in t- you end up in two bad places right and we've never had the luxury or the privilege to be exposed to global risks and now we are and you know what we're not hedged we're not cushioned we don't have a fallback plan we don't know how to react i mean we did we did do something we we did ask them to pull out their troops (laughs) (laughs) but i mean (laughs) i was sorry sorry i mean let's let's (laughs) let's dig in a little bit on that and so 
I mean, of course, without going into the the very complex interdependencies and political relations that go into South Africa as a sovereign and and South Africa's relationship with Russia and the BRICS Bank and the United Nations, etc., etc. Let's let's highlight some of the biggest South African con- companies that have Russian economic interests. And now this is super interesting because. The way it works is actually South Africa has a lot more invested in Russia than Russia has invested in South Africa. South Africa has about 77 billion rands worth of capital tied up in Russia, whilst Russia has about 33 billion in South Africa. So you kind of see which way the risk flows. Um, Of that 77 billion, who are the biggest companies that have sizable stakes? You got Zest Fruit, which are agriculture manufacturers. They make fruit and export it to Russia. You've got ABNBEV, who have a, a joint venture in Russia. Naspers have a massive tech arm out of Russia, including a, a mail platform, uh, a email platform. Pal Equipment has a Russian subsidiary, which which supports which distributes their, their heavy machinery, the yellow machinery. And of course, you've got Barlow World, which has a massive operating unit in Russia, one that in 2020 represented 75% of its uh, operating profit. So these are big South African companies that rely on Russia as a key market, a key off-taker for their products. And that puts us in a really difficult situation, right? Because that's that's an economic relationship that is too big to it just does. disappear. But at the same time, there's a, a real, very real human and political balance. It definitely does. I mean, we spoke about the South African companies that are affected by Russia. I think it's interesting to look at some of the US companies. Booker T, which companies do you think are most affected? exposed to Russia, multinationals. Huh. Well, I mean, uh, this is just off about I've read. I know that your Apples, your Nikes, they've pulled out there. Well, they've closed their, they've closed their online stores there. I can imagine I mean, that, that would have an impact. We've on all them. seen the memes. We know that they sell a lot of matching tracksuits out there in Russia. Those, those, the, yeah, yeah, those matching yeah, Adidas but, yeah, Those are the ones that I go for, the ones who I, I know have shut down. 9%. Of their total revenue comes from Russia and Ukraine, none other than McDonald's. Wow. That makes sense, though. Tell me why it makes that sense. That makes sense. Bukati. I mean, why didn't you say that then, bro? Have you have you seen what they have to eat? That yeah, side? why did you give it? I'll ask you a question. You can give me the answer. Now you saw. Now you saw the model answer. It's no, always yeah, the case, man. No, come on. You give the guy the solution. He's like, ah, the past paper. I knew that. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Booker T is out here giving uh, us the uh, OYA oh, method. Out here reading the model. I didn't think about it like that. Think about it that way. Because I was, I was thinking about the people who have been closing down their stores there and the fact that they would have lost revenues, lost revenues from that spot. But if you think about it, Russia has a lot of people and a lot of people who have access to... I mean, it's not the greatest food in the world, bro. You've never heard of anyone going out into into the streets of, of Cape Town and saying, yeah, I think I'm going to have some Russian cuisine today. No, ooh, they, they, ooh, they're not really ooh. known for their Booker food. Booker T, name, name, name some Russian I dishes. Know, but Vlad, don't, 
Vlad. Wow. Also, we're filming. Wow. We're, we're not. We're not filming. We're not filming in South Africa. We just yeah. talk about South Africa. Oof. There's no problem. Yeah, yeah. Don't come here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I've already Stroken escaped now. one more in my life. Wow, he brought out his war cred. He's like, I escaped war. You can't tell me nothing. Listen, you out here with this bail uh, order, bride. I've escaped one. And you, <laughs> Russian. <laughs> what is it? RussianDating.com. And now you want to come in. You want to come in. Trash talk. Russian food. Yeah. Don't jump! No, don't don't mean, jump ahead of listen, time. We'll get to the exports. Did you? Are, are you telling me you don't enjoy a good Russian? How can you eat a quarter without a Russian? I enjoy. I enjoy a good Russian. I, I enjoy. I enjoy a decent one every now and then, even though it puts me to sleep. Now nah, I think straight off. I think puts you straight I'll, to bed, Booker T. That is a one-way ticket straight to, to bed. bed. You, you know, I wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> tell, tell, tell us the story. Talk, talk us through what happened. Yeah, walk us through this. I had, I had a, I had a, I had a team call. I'm still waiting for my final payout for my last company, so I hope no one from HR is listening to this. But I had a team call at about, I think it was like 6 p.m. and we needed to get some input on work, and I couldn't do anything until I got that input. Um, so I went out with a friend of mine just to go grab some food and they took me to a spot uh, where they where they make they make rushes, man. So I was like, you know what, I've never had one before, let me give it a bash. Tried it out, delicious. I can understand, I can understand why people love it. But I could I could feel the hot burn <laughs> immediately afterwards. So I get I get I have problems. Look at you, you ain't you ain't a rookie anymore, hey. You gotta pop those rennies now. I had a Russian midday. I had a Russian midday, bro. You mean a quarter? A quarter or a Russian? Y- you know me. I came. I came from a family where you get in trouble if you don't finish your plate. So I, I punish that thing. I get back. I get back home. I'm just like, nah. Let me take a little cat nap before this meeting. Your boy woke up at 9 what? p.m. <laughs> what? <laughs> 9 p.m. Woke up at 9 p.m. I had to I had to lie to my manager but I had to lie I had to say I had, I had, I had problem. your I personal problem call, was eating Russians I had to lie dude <laughs> that's just the itis the what? the itis that's what you call it when you get sleepy after a big meal the itis I, I did have a my personal problem was trying to eat a Russian midday and that's like that's like chowing two full pizzas midday and then expecting to have a productive day at work afterwards I just realized we hired someone who eats Russians and falls asleep <laughs> <laughs> and you know what what what, is, what makes it worse this is, this is, this is why we're no, doing short no, no. term what contracts makes it, to start off with what makes it worse is Booker T oh, missed, missed the morning call just two days ago and now I'm reflecting on, on what he could have ate for missed, breakfast. You missed my morning oh, call. You missed my morning call. What did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> I don't eat breakfast. I intermittent fast. I don't eat breakfast. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Wow. It wasn't that. We gotta keep this back away from Russians. But you're right. Now, Booker T is gonna be submitting a food diary. I can never miss a meeting again. <laughs> if, we, if you miss a meeting, we're just gonna change your 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 avatar on on Slack to a Russian emoji. <laughs> <laughs> The Russian. <laughs> if you're not around for team events, you're doing a Russian. I just, I just know Rey Mysterio right now is shaking his head. He's, he's probably. I can't see him in the studio. He probably ate a Russian. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> he's also taking a nap right now. But the companies that are existing Russia, exiting Russia, Exxon, 
Mobile, BP, Shell, Apple, Google, Facebook, even Walt Disney, guys. That one that was super interesting. I mean, that one that was super interesting for me is, is Philip Morris cigarettes. They make 8% of their revenue from Russia and the Ukraine. I mean, there's a lot of smoking there. Well, Abil, is anyone surprised? Is anyone surprised that a cigarette <laughs> company is taking hits in Russia? I'm Who's not, surprised? I'm not even going to surprise by that. You talked about SAL and Russia. Let's talk about what comes out of Russia. Ukraine. Yeah. One of the world's largest producers of wheat and cooking oil. That, those are essentials, man. That's the important stuff. I believe between Russia and the Ukraine, I think it's thirty percent of global wheat that they that they produce. So, mm-hmm. you know, for in terms of in terms of food bases, those are those those form part of a large amount of the staples that you have your basic exactly. foods. Um, and if you add that, the fact that you're going to have supply constraints on that to the fuel price, and we've already discussed what that means. Just the cost of living just gets worse and worse and worse, man. I... Guys, without that stuff, there's nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs>